morning. It's about that time, so we'll go ahead and get started. This is our last class from the book of John. I'm going to finish up the last four chapters. And then uh, Jay's going to teach next. Let me take one extra class so I can finish off. So we're in John chapter 18. So we left off last class. And again, I was hoping to slow it down a little bit at the end, but four chapters, we have to kind of breeze through it, so we'll go ahead and get started. So we'll read uh, John chapter 18. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with the disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he had his, uh, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would uh, come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Jesus said to them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. They led him away to Ananias first, for he was the father-in-law of Cephas, who was a high priest that year. Now it was Cephas who advised the Jews that it was expedient for that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside, uh, stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers who had made a, a fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then answered then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where the Jews always meet. And in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who you have heard uh, me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, 
saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if, I have, but if well, why do you strike me? Then Ananias sent him bound to Cephas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not one of the, his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. They then led Jesus from Cephas to the praetorium, and it was only early morning, but they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. That is the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And then when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release uh, to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. All right, and that ends off with chapter 18. We see Jesus going to a place where he often frequented uh, in, his t- in his trips over there, the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, which is over the Kidron Valley uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, there, Judas knew where he was going to be, and so led the temple guard accompanied by Roman soldiers uh, we've seen the temple guard multiple times approach Jesus uh, in an, an attempt to arrest him. And they didn't have uh, the fortitude to, right? So now they needed, uh, well, they uh, pled to Pilate and got a Roman detachment to go with them, give them that uh, motivation to do that. And obviously Pilate granted that request. Um Because, and of course the Jews used 
the fear of the Jews rioting, uh, revolting, as as motivation for Pilate to do such a thing. And they continue to throughout his trials. That was the one weakness, the one thing they could use to uh, motivate Pilate. Because that was his main job, was to oversee that and make sure that there were no revolts, no riots. The Romans had constantly, throughout their occupation of territories, been putting them down, revolts and riots, all over the, their lands that they had. Almost every year it seemed like there was a revolt or riot somewhere in their territories. Uh, some of them, by this time they were pretty good at it. Most of them they would put down pretty fast. But there were some that would last years. Uh, I think the, one of the longest ones I saw was up to eight years, was um, how long it took to put down. In fact, the Jews themselves had revolted. Uh, we see that in 4 BC, um, after Herod the Great died, where there are 2,000 Jewish rebels that were crucified um, just to put down that one, to just quell that riot. There was also one in 480, uh, led by Judas of Galilee, or Judas of Gamaliel. Uh, he revolted against paying taxes. And uh, that one was put down much quicker uh, than the, the, one, the previous one. Ironically enough, uh, the Jews, we see the Jews, even after this, continue to rebel against the Roman occupation. Uh, within that first century that would cause them to lose everything. Everything that they were wanting to hold, uh, everything they were wanting to gain through the Messiah. So it's pretty ironic. But when the soldiers got there uh, and they found him, they were again amazed by him. They could tell that he was someone of authority and power. Again, like we talked about before, these are mission-oriented soldiers. They, uh, they have a goal, and usually nothing would stop them from attaining that goal. Uh, if there were any obstacles, they would plow through those obstacles and overcome them. Yet, again, they knew enough about him. Uh, they heard stories about him. They maybe even heard him talk. Uh, and they humbled himself themselves in his presence. Now, we see Jesus didn't try to run. He didn't try to hide. He didn't try to lie. He came forth to them and uh, addressed them directly. Uh, giving himself up willingly, uh, while doing so asking him for his disciples to go free. Again, fulfilling a prophecy. Peter being Peter, um, to his credit, was holding to what he had told Jesus, that he, uh, he would die for him. And which most likely would have happened if uh, Jesus did not intervene and heal the uh, high priest's servant's ear. And so they arrest Jesus, and they brought him to Ananias. And it's interesting that they didn't bring him to Cephas first, because he was a high priest for that for a period of time. Uh, Ananias was a high priest between uh, 6 to 15 AD, um, before being, being deposed by the Roman prefect at the time. Uh, Valerius Gratus, who Pontius Pilate actually replaced. Uh, and according to Mosaic law, the high priest um, was appoint- as an appointment for life. And so it seemed that he still wielded a lot of influence. And so they took him, uh, Jesus to him first to be questioned. 
One of the great things about John is the details. The Gospel of John is the details we see in it. Uh, we see that it's a first-hand account uh, through all of it, and uh, the details of his of his witness, of his testimony. And we get to see details about uh, him being questioned because he was there in the midst. We see details about Peter's denial um, that we don't get to see in the other accounts. We're shown Peter standing next to the men that um, just arrested Jesus, right? He was, uh, he had attempted to cut off one of their ears. He actually should say he did cut off one of his ears, right? Uh, and that kind of shows the, I guess, motivation behind his denial. I mean, that's pretty stressful when um, you're with the men that you ju- that just arrested Jesus, and now they're confronting you about that. You can see uh, Peter denying it, and then, of course, with fervor, the last time he was asked, now, although this one breezes over it pretty quickly, that, that third denial. And in uh, Luke's account, we see in chapter two, uh, 22, verse 61, is that after Peter had denied Christ for the third time, and the rooster crowed, uh, it says Jesus looked over at him, and then Peter remembered what Jesus had said about his denial. And, of course, he left weeping. Uh, what a hard emotional memory that must have been for Peter. And we'll see that he gets to um, kind of be restored in that manner later on, but that would be very difficult, especially for someone like Peter. Very passionate. Now, John's account, we see, doesn't go into uh, Cephas's questioning like the other accounts do. It kind of skips and breezes over that and then uh, goes into Pilate's questioning of him, where, of course, Pilate found no fault in him. And that leads us to chapter 19. Um, Again, we find that Pilate in chapter 19 uh, is going to be trying to appease the Jews, but still let him go because he didn't see any fault in him. So let's read chapter 19. So then Pilate took and scourged him. The soldiers, soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a, a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to him, said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Jesus answered them, excuse me, the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. And went into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? Jesus answered, 
You could have no power against at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement. But in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was uh, the preparation day of the Passover. And about the sixth hour he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered uh, to him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side. And Jesus was in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top up in one piece. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, from my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of uh, Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Woman, behold your mother. Excuse me, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it in his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was at high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But one of his soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who had seen us uh, has testified, 
and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done in the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him who they pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came, and he took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound him in strips of linen with the spices as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. So going back before to his um, judgment, to his, uh, essentially his uh, trial, We see Pilate over and over and over again trying to appease the Jews while still releasing him. Uh, He had been sent, he sent him over to Herod to be questioned, um, who Herod sent back to Pilate, uh, which we don't read in this account, but we read in Matthew. We also see in, um, and maybe some of the purpose of that, the reasoning for that was he didn't see fault in him, and not only that, but in Matthew's account, in chapter 27, verse 19, we see that Pilate's wife warned Pilate that uh, not to have anything to do with the just man because of the dream she had, and that she was being tormented by that. Even when Pilate questions Jesus, we see uh, Pilate reminding Jesus. Um, he's looking for a reason why, and he's not getting a reason why for Jesus to release him. Uh, even though he says that he's not guilty. And we see Pilate reminding Jesus of his power. I have the power to kill you, to crucify you, or not to. And Jesus corrected, right? He informed him of the power that is given from above. Something that um, we should often remind ourselves uh, today. Not to worry or get angry about politics. God is in control and always will be. And nothing's going to change that. So Pilate, attempting to appease the Jews, had Jesus beaten. And uh, looking at the accounts, it looks like he was beaten uh, once and then scourged a different time. And uh, with him beaten and the crown of thorns and that was uh, wrapped around and placed upon his head. And these are thorns that are not like rose bushes, right? These are thorns that are 6 to 12 inches in length. Um, it's not something that would be very pleasant uh, at all. It would be very painful. Uh, but of course, that's the least of his worry, was that crown of thorns on his head. Uh, but he put that, had his men do that to him, and they not only placed it on his head, they used the rod and hit it into his head impaling it on his head uh, and dressed him, just humiliating him and displaying him to the Jews, showing them he's beaten, he's humiliated uh, and saying, here he is, here's this man. 
where they still wanted him crucified, even after seeing him in that condition. So Pilate, seeing that, in frustration and fear, um, eventually handed him over to the Jews, trying to separate himself from that, washing his hands of it. Again, Pilate being afraid of him causing a riot, them revolting. The one thing that he was trying to avoid, he didn't want to kill him because he saw him in innocence, but he also knew that he had a large following and he didn't want that group to revolt. But when he saw the passion of the Jews, their hatred toward him and their desire for him to get killed and their persistence, that overcame whatever... Uh, Rebellion that he might be caused by killing him, it seems. So again, he left the decision of what to do with Jesus upon the leaders of the, and the people of the Jews who were calling for his death. Not only were they calling for his death, they said that the blood, his blood, be on them and their children. What a thing to, what a thing to say. What a thing to put on your children. Matthew twenty seven twenty five, we see that that statement. Uh, it is amazing how many truths are said by people who don't know that they're speaking the truths that they're saying. Uh, we see we're seeing that all throughout John, right? Um, and we see that uh, with the, the the statements being made by. Pilate, the questions being asked, and by the sign that was placed above his head on the cross. <clears throat> I think it's, uh, I think it should be mentioned at this point, though. Um, throughout history, there's been a large anti-Semitic tendencies, and um, some people could take that verse in Matthew and try to twist it for those reasons. And I'm not sure why there's such a strong um, tendency throughout history. I'm sure there's various factors of it. I know there's various factors that play into that. Um, but hatred or looking down upon anyone for uh, or anyone or any group of people for any reason, again, is not what we as followers of God are called to do. Any time that we exalt ourselves over our fellow men or put down another group of people for any reason starts us down a steep uh, slope to uh, hatred and sin. It is counter to the examples and the instructions we are given by God. We are told and shown that humility and love is the way of God's followers. Let's always remember that. And when we come across um, any sort of, again, hatred or uh, any sort of looking down upon another another person, uh, let's remind ourselves and that person of that, especially if they're a follower of God. In verse 28, we see that Jesus upon the cross knew that his work was done. He... Uh, it was completed. He had fulfilled those hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah. And he gave up his spirit. Again, he could have given up his spirit at any time. 
but he did so only after his work was completed. The father's plan was finished. And with a loud cry, he, he declared it. It is finished. And that, that wasn't a cry of defeat. It was a cry of victory, one of triumph. All of it done just before the Sabbath and Passover. Tying uh, those actions of, of his together and taking place of the Jewish celebration uh, of the life-saving blood of the Lamb compared to Jesus' life-saving blood for mankind. That leads us to chapter 20. Let's go read that. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooped down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, and yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside for the tomb of the tomb weeping, and she wept And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin 
one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of his nails, and put my finger in the print of, uh, into the print of his nails, of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in their midst, and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly did Jesus and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you and that believing you may have life in his name. There we see the resurrection. The most pivotal uh, the most pivotal and the most important aspect in Christianity uh, about that. Because without it, it would all have been meaningless. It, that completely shows God's power and his authority and fulfills, again, the fulfills the prophecies. Just like the witnesses and the evidences of his life and his death, we are given witnesses and evidence about his resurrection that we may have confidence in it. We see Jesus, uh, interesting enough, we see Jesus being different enough where people have um, a, a difficulty immediately to recognize him when they see him. This is somebody that they spent years with, right? So there's a difference about him. Um, but they're able to recognize him once he instructs them, talks to them, and once he gives them instructions. Um, he had the scars, though, from his crucifixion as proof to show them. When it comes to Thomas, we can't we can't blame him too bad about that, because um, that would be difficult initially, right? Not only that, but he wasn't there when the apostles got to see him. They got to touch their hands to his side and and put their hands uh, where he was where he was nailed. Uh, and then, of course, they were telling him about it. We got to see Jesus. We got to do these things. He's, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that and see, and see, you know, Jesus. So it's understandable that he had that desire. Um, and when he was shown, when he was shown, uh, Jesus, when he was able to do that, um, he gave a confirmation, uh, about Jesus that was complete and full of understanding. Right? He refers to Jesus as his Lord and his God. He understands that Jesus is God. He has that, that aspect about him. And another thing uh, to mention about Thomas, um, I think I might have mentioned it before, I'm trying to remember, uh, is that there's a, it's, it's commonly understood that um, he went all the way to India teaching, spreading the gospel. And uh, 
spreading the gospel and baptizing people. And um, eventually, again, according to early church history, um, dying as a martyr over there. So he's one of the one of the great reasons why the gospel spread so broadly. We are uh, left with the account of that encounter uh, with Thomas in verse 29, where he says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Um, John, understanding that the people that are going to be reading this hadn't seen, right? Uh, That is his goal, is to give us those those evidences, those witness testimonies about what occurred, and that way we can have confidence in what we're told, confidence in um, Jesus' teachings and his life. And throughout the Bible, it, it's all interconnecting. It, we read uh, who knows how many times about how these prophecies from the Old Testament 100 years before were fulfilled through Jesus' actions and through Jesus' words, his life, his death, his resurrection. And in doing so, we are able to obtain life through Jesus. That leads us to uh, chapter 21, which will close us out. Let's go and read that. After these things, Jesus uh, showed himself again to the disciples, the Sea of Tiberias. We're going to see a Galilee there. And in this way, he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, or Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But the morning had come. Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in uh, the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw the fires of the fire of coals there, and the fish laid, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish which you have just caught." Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these He said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. 
He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he has said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following also, who had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then he said, Then this he said went out among the brethren that his disciple would not yet die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if that, uh, that if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Again, we're given more and more witnesses, witness accounts of Jesus being resurrected. We see Jesus talking to Peter and asking him if he loved him. The third time, Peter being grieved, possibly because it brought to his memory that his denial is of three times. It could be seen as a way for Peter to be restored. Um, after the three times he denied Christ. At the time of this book, the writing of this book, Peter had already been killed, uh, had already been martyred, and it's generally understood that uh, by, by the Christian writers that he was crucified, um, most likely during the last days of Nero's reign, which is about 64 to 66 AD. And uh, again, that was Jesus was giving him an indication of that, that he would... Uh, um, most likely be dying in that manner and that he would be following. Remember before when Peter said, we want to follow you, um, he was attempting to follow Jesus and he said, now's not the time. He's saying now's the time and that he would be following in the same manner. While uh, John would go to live on and be a very old man. Well, I think we're about done. I hope that uh, the witness testimony in this book uh, strengthens your faith strengthens your knowledge base in God and uh, his understanding of his will and his power and his perfect plan that he has for his people. May God bless you. Thank you.